Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here at Rethink Life Church. Hey, I'm gathered with some of our team and our staff today, and we just want to say a very warm welcome to all of you. And come on, staff, let's give everybody a round of applause for being a part of our online experience honored to have each of you join with us today. Well, we've been in a series called Life Lifters, and it's a three-part series. And if you happen to have missed any of the last two weeks, I highly encourage you to go back and uh, watch messages one and two. And what we're talking about is we're talking about really what a life lifter is and what a life lifter does. We're talking about three specific virtues or characteristics that really a life lifter embodies in their everyday lives. And so week one, we talked about a life lifter is, is a person who ultimately mimics the life of Jesus, who is a selfless servant. When you think about a selfless servant, what did Jesus say? I've come into the world not to be served, but to serve others. And that's really what a, what a life lifter does. A life lifter takes the focus off of themselves and their focus is on serving others by serving Jesus, because they know that when they serve Jesus, they're going to honor the Lord when they also serve other people. And that's exactly what God has called us to be and do. And then, of course, last week we talked about the second characteristic or virtue, and that is a life lifter is someone who is a person who is an extravagant giver. Now, one of the things that I was so encouraged last week was to know that we had people who actually took that step for the very first time. We're talking beyond just giving of their time and as well as their talents, but even on a monetary level, I'm talking about people who for the the very first time took the 90 day challenge that I threw out last week, who basically said, you know what, I'm going to take that step of faith and honor the Lord through an act of worship by giving my first and my best, which is known as the tithe. Had an individual that actually uh, sent in a note and said, I'm scared to death, but I'm going to trust God in this area of my life. And what an incredible step of faith. And so, you know, that's truly the heart of a life lifter. They're selfless servants. They're a extravagant giver. But they're also, and I love this, they are, they are a person, and this is what we're talking about today, who is bold in their witness. Now, I want to ask a question to everybody that's watching today, and this is going for all of you that are here as well. And I want you to give a little thought here before you just kind of just, you know, throw your hand up in the air, because this is a bold and honestly a very direct question that I'm coming at you with, with right here at the beginning of the message. And here's what the question is. Would you call yourself a true follower of Jesus Christ? In other words, are you a true born again Christian? 
Now, give that a little thought here before you just raise your hand, because a lot of people, when I ask them the question, hey, are you Christian? Well, they think because if they were born in America, that automatically makes them, you know, a Christian. Or it's kind of like the mindset of somebody saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, it's kind of like saying, well, if you're born in a garage, that doesn't necessarily make you a car. You know what I'm saying? Or if you're born in McDonald's, that doesn't necessarily make you a Big Mac, does it? So at the end of the day, (laughs) there's just some people who just think, oh, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I've always been a Christian. I ask people all the time. Well, tell me when you became a Christian. And they'll say, well, I've just always been a Christian. That would be like asking somebody when they were born. And then they say, well, I've just always been born. No, there was a time, there was a moment, you know, that you entered into the world. Same is true in our spiritual life. So let me, again, before you just throw your hand up there, let me ask you the question. Do you call yourself a true follower of Jesus Christ? Do you have a true born again relationship with Jesus? If so, okay, now you can raise your hand, okay? Now make sure you're legit here, okay? Now again, this is a bold, direct question here, okay? Now, it kind of reminds me of a preacher joke. Can I tell a preacher joke here in this moment? It kind of reminds me of that preacher who was, man, he was on a roll. He was preaching up a storm, and all of a sudden, he just kind of paused in his message, and he threw out this bold, direct question to everybody. And here's what he said. He said, I want everybody inside this church today who loves sin to raise your hand. And kind of awkwardly, nobody raised their hand except this little old lady way back in the back. She raised her, raised her hand. The preacher thought to himself for a moment. He said, wait a minute, maybe they misunderstood me. Let me ask it again. So he, he for the second go around, he asked that question. He said, I want everybody inside this church today who loves sin to raise their hand. And again, nobody raised their hand except for this little old lady way back in the back. She raised her hand. Kind of startled the preacher. So he thought to himself, well, maybe she didn't hear me correctly, so he was going to blurt it out one last time. So on the third time, he yelled out as loud as he could. He said, I want everybody inside this church who loves sin to raise your hand. Again, nobody raised their hand except for that little old lady way back in the back of the church. And then finally, the preacher said, ma'am, he said, you mean to tell me that you love sin? She said, oh, excuse me. She said, I thought you asked if there's anybody who loves gin. (laughs) And of course, you know, that kind of made it a little awkward for everybody in church that day. So again, we need to be clear where we stand if we are a true follower of Jesus Christ, because it makes a big difference. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why it makes a big difference. And that is this, because what you love the most is what you talk about the most. Think about that for a moment. I mean, if you love good food, you're going to talk about eating all the time. You know what I'm saying? If you like football, you're going to talk about football. If you love hunting and fishing, you're going to talk about hunting and fishing. If you like cars, you're going to talk about cars. Because at the end of the day, what you love the most is what you talk about the most. Well, you know what a life lifter does? One of the characteristics that truly sets a life lifter apart than perhaps the average so-called Christian is a life lifter, is a person who is in love with Jesus Christ. And not only are they in love with Jesus Christ, but here's the thing that truly sets them apart. Listen, they talk about Jesus all the time. Because once again, what you love the most is what you talk about the most. A true life lifter is someone who is bold and courageous in their 
witness. I love the, 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 the story that we're going to kind of unpack here for just a moment about the life of Jesus and his disciples. And of course, you know, we know that Jesus lived his, his earthly life for some 33 years, but only three of those years is where he actually uh, publicly demonstrated his ministry. And one of the things that he did is he called just ordinary people like all of us. I mean, he just called ordinary people like you and me to be his disciples, to follow him, to literally let go of what they were doing and to really just go after him with all of their hearts. And so that's what many of them did. And one of the things that we learn is that in John chapter 20, one of the things that Jesus kept emphasizing over and over to his disciples was the fact that he came into this world for one reason, and that was to seek and to save the lost. He, he said, I didn't, I didn't come for all the righteous people. He said, no, I came for sinners. He said, you know, I didn't come for the, you know, the healthy people. He said, no, I came for the sick. And so Jesus kept reemphasizing over and over his, to his disciples that I came into this world for one reason, and that was to ultimately lay down my life. He said, I'm going to die on a cross. He said, y'all just need to be prepared. That's why I'm here. And that's what I'm about to do. I am on mission and I'm here to fulfill the will of the, my, my father. And so Jesus kept warning them and preparing them and telling them, I'm going to die on a cross, but just know that three days later, I'll be back. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like the Terminator, I'll be back. So he literally was warning them time and time again, I'm going to die, but I will come back. And so what's interesting in John chapter 20, verse 19, here's what happened. Jesus did the very thing he said would actually happen. He died. And what did they do? They took his body from the cross and they placed his body on, excuse me, in the grave, in a tomb. And so here, those disciples who had spent time with Jesus, those three years of Jesus, who had walked with him, who had seen the miracles, they had eyewitnessed everything that Jesus said he was all about. And then they even now began to understand that he actually fulfilled what he said he was going to do. And that was to die, and that was to be placed into a tomb. But yet here's something that took place. Here it is on Sunday, and Jesus had been crucified, had been placed into a tomb, and where were they on that Sunday night? On that Sunday night, the day that Jesus Christ said that he would be raised back from the grave, in verse 19, it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, where were they at? They were Listen to this. They were behind closed doors, locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace with you. So what's very interesting to me is that in this moment, instead of those disciples being bold and courageous in their witness, because Jesus had already done what he said he was going to do. And yet, even though perhaps maybe they believe that in this moment of confrontation of that reality, rather than being bold and validating to everybody that Jesus was going to do exactly what he claimed to do, well, rather than being bold in their faith, what did they do? They went and ran and they literally hid themselves. They literally were hiding behind closed doors for the very fear of their lives and for the fear of the religious leaders, the enemies 
of Jesus himself. And so what's interesting is that at the end of the day, when you think about why those people, those followers, those disciples who spent all this time with Jesus suddenly became, in many ways, cowards. In other words, they kind of backed down when it really mattered, and they found themselves paralyzed by fear behind closed doors. And I think the same reason why those disciples did what they did, I'll be honest with you, is the same reason that I have found myself at times, you know, maybe rather than being bold, you know, in my own faith, I found myself kind of conforming to what the disciples did. And what, here, here, here's what happened. What happened was, is that they kind of begin to maybe, you know, take on the same maybe excuse, if you will, that we've all maybe given you know, and that is, if you were to ask the average Christian, well, if they really believe in Jesus, if they call themselves true followers of Jesus, then why aren't they more bold in their witness? And I think one of the reasons why is because for a lot of people, maybe they're just afraid of maybe not being able to say the right thing. You know, if somebody confronts you at work or maybe a classmate kind of challenges your faith, well, that's your worst nightmare, right? <laughs> if somebody begin to sudden, suddenly question you and really question whether or not you really believe what you say you believe. So at the end of the day, a lot of us, maybe we question maybe how much we really know, and therefore we don't have the confidence that we would even know how to respond or how to answer. We're, we're afraid that we would give the wrong answer, and therefore it would make us look bad. So therefore, we don't even say anything. And then I believe for a lot of other people, one of the reasons maybe why they don't often you know, be bold and, and courageous in their witness is because I think for some, they're, they're afraid of offending other people. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't want to come across as pushy or, you know, where we're kind of like forcing our beliefs on someone else. It's crazy how we're so afraid of that, and yet we have a world that's constantly forcing their beliefs and their opinions on us, right? Well, but at the same time, what do we do? We kind of coward. We kind of, we, we, we want to hide in fear. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of reasons why we may not be bold and courageous in our faith if we're followers of Jesus. But at the root of, the, at the root of it all, at the end of the day, I really do believe one of the reasons why we may be timid or maybe be apprehensive when it comes to sharing our faith boldly and courageously with other people is simply because it's, it's rooted in fear. And listen, what God wants us to understand is this. God wants us more, more than anything else. God wants us to be bold and courageous in our faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross and he came back to life for you and for me and for the entire world. So why in the world would we be, listen, maybe cowards or or be timid or be intimidated by what the world may say or think? Why in the world would we care about offending somebody when Jesus died and he's the hope of the world? And so, man, we have an answer. We have a hope. We have a solution. And his name is Jesus. And so 
again, what you love the most is what you talk about the most. My father, uh, who was a preacher, and uh, he uh, didn't always know the Lord. In fact, uh, my father had a multi-page police report on him by the time he was 19 years of age. He was in and out of jail all the time, druggy, gang leader, and he radically, radically gave his life to Jesus. I mean, radically, Jesus has changed him. And the very next night after he uh, put his faith in Jesus, he preached his first sermon on top of a pool table in a in a pool hall in a bar, and um, and Jesus used him mightily. And so he had a theme called Go Tell. And he used to wear these like little lapel pins back in the day. They, they wore these little <laughs> lapel pins, or sometimes they put them in their ties, you know. But they put right here, and he had one made, custom made. It said Go Tell. And oftentimes people would come up to him and say, "What does that say? Does that say Go to Hell?" He said, "No, it says Go Tell." And people would say, "Well, you're supposed to go tell." And then he would. Course, you know, so well, I'm supposed to go tell people about Jesus. And he was one of the most bold, courageous people I've ever been around. And here's the thing that's interesting. When you think about why many of us, why many of us are not as bold and courageous is simply because, you know what, maybe we've never maybe adapted the idea that God is not expecting you and me to always have the right answer. But maybe what it is that God is really expecting of us is just to make ourselves available. Yeah. And just say, God, would you just use me to be your voice, to be your hands, to be your to be your feet, to be to be you know the the person that I need to be, whether it's in my home with my family, to reach my spouse, or maybe with my children, or maybe it's with a coworker or a classmate or a neighbor or whoever it might be. God, would you just use me, and would you speak through me and give me the words? that I need to say in order to be the bold witness that you've called me to be. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about allowing God to use us and us step out of the way so that God can speak through us the message that he wants to convey to the people around us. I love the story of Peter and uh, John and, of course, the other disciples. And there is a story, you know, where Jesus in, uh, the, book of, in the book of Acts where um, here, you know, these disciples, now they were bold and courageous after Jesus had come back to life. And you remember he appeared before them behind closed doors. They were shrieking, you know, you know in, a, in a state of fear and panic because they were afraid. And yet Jesus shows up after he came back to life and he said, guys, listen, I'm going to replace your, your, your fear with faith. And because they believed when he showed them the scars in his hand and, you know, the, the place there and the scars in his side, when he, when he revealed himself to them, all of a sudden their belief was activated. Their faith and their confidence, their boldness was activated. And the reason why it was activated is simply because they suddenly now begin to live out what they said they believed because they were eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus was who he said he was and he did exactly what he promised that he would do. So in this moment, Peter and John and some of the other disciples now were boldly proclaiming the good news. Now all of a sudden they had this newfound boldness that they had never had before. And now they're out, they're preaching, they're teaching. And in this moment, God used them 
to help heal a crippled man. And there was a high priest by the name of Anus. Now, you can only imagine the, the jokes that were around this guy, you know, what, all the names they would call this guy. But he was a high priest, and he was with some of the other officials, and they had heard about Peter and John healing this crippled man. And so therefore, they arrested Peter and John, and they called them in before the religious leaders of the day. And in Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, I love this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and they asked them the question, by what name or by what authority did you heal this crippled man by? And so they said, well, rulers and elders of our people, we are being as are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? I love this. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people here in Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man that you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So here are these guys who were, who were at one point hiding behind closed doors for the fear of the enemies of Jesus. And now these guys are boldly pointing their finger in front of those same enemies of Jesus and say, hey, let us make it real clear here. You guys are the one who nailed Jesus to the cross. And so they were bold in their witness. And here's the thing that I love in verses 12 and 13 that it says in Acts chapter 4, there is salvation, Peter said, and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men, notice carefully, who had been with Jesus. And so if you really want to get down to really what separates a life lifter away from maybe the average ordinary so-called Christian, is a true life lifter, is someone who is bold in their witness. In other words, they truly live out what they say they believe, not in an arrogant way, but with a divine conviction simply because they know in their heart of hearts that Jesus is who he says he is, and he will do what he has promised he will do in and through our lives. And here's something I encourage you to jot down, and that is this. We speak boldly about what we deeply believe. Let me say that again. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. That's the better way of saying it. I'll say that one more time. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. You see, if we have a maybe a hard time speaking up when it comes to sharing our faith, it might be the fact that maybe we don't believe in a way that we should believe in our heart of hearts. And, you know, when you think about all the things that many of us believe in, I'm always amazed by the boldness. You know, you t- you know here in Orlando, you know, we have you know, the rivalry in, the, of course, the state of Florida. You got you either a Gator fan or you're a Seminole fan, you know, and then, of course, you know, here in Orlando, we have the Knights, you know, of the Central Florida, you know, University of Central Florida, UCF, or maybe if you're in Miami, you know, you got a hurricane. But 
true hurricane down there. But anyway, but at the end of the day, you know, here's the thing. Many athletes, you know, or sports fans, let me put it that way, a lot of times sports fans, you know, they're bold in, in, you know, in their team. You know, they, they're, not, they're not afraid. Of, man, they, they're, they'll put on the jersey. Man, they, they'll paint their face. I mean, they're like fanatics. They're radical. I mean, they, they go nuts when it comes to, you know, what they're excited about and, you know, man, the, you know, the conviction that their team is the best. Well, why is it that we're not as radical? Why is it that we're not as bold? Why is it we're not as courageous? Why is it that we don't go all in and go all out with Jesus like many people do when it comes to other things that really don't have any eternal significance whatsoever? And so if we're not speaking boldly about our faith, it might mean that we need to question, do we really believe deeply in our heart of heart. So let me just give you something that to, I think, really serve as a, I think, just a challenge and, and really just a call to action in your own personal life. And if you're taking some notes today, I, heard, I, high, I highly encourage you to jot down these two things. Number one is this, and that is, I encourage you to spend more time with Jesus. You know, at the end of the day, you know what, when, when we when we spend time with someone, the more time you spend with that person, the more you get to know them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when you get to know somebody, you really get to know all the things about them. But here's the thing. In, the, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, in this verse that I mentioned a few moments ago, I love this, that the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. In other words, these guys were not scholars. They didn't go to seminary. But here's the thing. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So let me ask you a question. When you think about your own boldness in your own faith, or the fact, let me ask you a question. When it comes to the people in your family, when it comes to your coworkers, your classmates, when it comes to maybe your neighbors, on a scale of 1 to 10, how many of the people in your sphere of influence are amazed by your bold witness for Christ? That's good. How many of them even know you're a Christian? Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, you need, you need to ask yourself the question, 1 not being so good. <laughs> 10, I wouldn't call yourself a 10. Jesus is at the top, okay? He's number 10. But here's the thing. But we need to really evaluate where we are in our spiritual lives, but also ask ourselves the question, well, why am I not as bold and courageous in my witness for Christ? And it might be because we've drifted away from our relationship from the Lord. It's like what Jesus said in Revelations 2, 4, after he complimented the church at Ephesus about all these amazing things they were doing, but then he kind of threw them a curveball when he made this statement, but I have someone against you because you have forsaken your first love. In other words, they didn't love Jesus like they used to. And so what happened, their faith became really more of a duty rather than a devotion. And I think it's easy when we allow the things of this world to become distractions When you think about all the things that are competing for our time and our attention, if we're not careful, our personal time with Jesus can suddenly take a back seat. And now all of a sudden, we're not spending as much time with him as we could or should. Therefore, we're not as bold as we used to be. 
Therefore, we don't have the courage that maybe we used to have when we first met Jesus and first fell in love with Jesus. Because why? We were spending more time with Jesus when we were first born again believers, when we first put our faith in him. So here's my challenge to you. Today, I want to challenge you to spend more time with Jesus. And that's what we're doing next week. We're actually going to encourage you and help you. In fact, we're going to challenge you to devote the entire month of August through something we're calling a prayer dare. And the prayer dare is a 30-day challenge where we're actually challenging everybody to take 30 days during the month of August to simply press in and to come close to God. What did Jesus, excuse me, what did James say? He said, if you'll come close to me, I'll come close to you. God says, hey, if you will draw close to me, I'll come close to you. At the end of the day, we are as close to Jesus as we personally choose to be. So my challenge to you is dedicate and devote the next 30 days, the prayer dare, I dare you, I double dog dare you to spend the next 30 days with Jesus. We're going to spend time with him. And we actually have a, uh, a guide, a 30-day prayer guide that's going to walk you through everything. And so we're going to be giving you more information about that next week as we begin that new series. But it's going to be an opportunity for you to spend more time with Jesus intentionally so that, once again, you can be filled by God, that he, once again, can renew that passion, that fire, that sense of boldness, so you can be filled with God in a way like Peter and John, where people will be amazed at your bold witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the second thing, and that is this, and that is to simply do this. And by the way, I love one of the things that um, we're going to be um, doing during our prayer dare is we're actually going to be getting with other people through what we call life groups. And we're going to be gathering with friends. And here's the thing that we're going to do. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going to hold one another accountable. Because listen, one of the best ways to activate your faith is to get other people involved in the process. So the first thing we need to do is we need to spend more time with Jesus. The second thing we're going to do, and that is to ask God to make you bold. So that's the whole purpose of next week as we kick off this 30-day challenge, the prayer dare, is simply to ask God, God, make us bolder. God, make us your hands and your feet, your voice. God has called us to be his ambassadors, to be his salt and his light. Listen, God has called us into places of darkness because listen, if there was ever a time where our world is crying out for solutions and for answers and for direction and for guidance and for hope, man, it's now. And we have an unbelievable opportunity as followers of Jesus to ask God to give us the boldness that we need so that we don't have fear, but we can actually, in faith, we can be the voice that Jesus needs us to be. I mean, think about it. And here's what verse 29 in Acts chapter 4 said. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And this is after Peter and John and the other disciples, after the, 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 the religious leaders let them go when they were called before them. They went, and what did they do? They went and gathered, and they went and prayed. And here's what they prayed. They said, O oh Lord, hear their threats, and give us your servants. Notice what they prayed for. Great boldness in preaching your word. And that's what we need to do. 
as a life lifter, as a follower of Jesus Christ, hey, let's ask God to give us boldness. Let's ask God to give us that spirit of, of, of just courageous boldness, not in an obnoxious way, not in a way that turns people away. I'm talking about where they just see Jesus in and through our lives, but not just see Jesus in us because of the way we live, but at the same time, we are being intentional about reaching out to our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates and the people that we have the opportunity to influence so that when God opens the door, when we're praying for those opportunities to be open, we can seize the moment to be Jesus's voice to those that need it the most. You know, one of the things that I'm excited about, I want to close with this, as you probably have seen the t-shirt that I'm wearing today, one of the things we're doing on August the 1st, the first Sunday of August, is we're going to the beach. And I would encourage you to join us at the beach. Join us as we go out and we're going to have a great time just being on the beach. But here's the thing we're going to do. We're going to celebrate the waters of baptism for those who boldly and unashamedly want to declare their faith through water baptism. I'm wearing a wedding band on my hand. Michelle, my wife and I have been married for over 29 years now. And you know what this wedding band symbolizes? It symbolizes the commitment that I made on June 1st, 1991 to my wife, Michelle. You know what this wedding band also symbolizes? Here's what it symbolizes. Baptism is the wedding band of our salvation. You know, when I wear this wedding band, I don't, you know, keep my left hand in my pocket the whole time because I'm afraid that somebody might see the wedding band. No, I proudly and boldly, I wear this wedding band everywhere because I'm not ashamed of my wife. I want people to know, hey, I married one good looking girl. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm proud of, you know, like I said, what you love the most, what you talk about the most. Well, I love my wife of 29 years. Well, the same is true when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. You know what? The, the, the baptism is the wedding band of our salvation. And what Jesus did on the cross when he died and when he was placed into a tomb and when he came back to life on the third day, when we go into those waters of baptism, what are we doing? We're saying, I believe that Jesus died. I believe that Jesus was buried. And I believe that Jesus came back to life. And he lives inside of my heart. I've put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. And when we go down into that water, we're being just like Christ when he was, when he was buried. And when we come up out of that water, we're being just like Jesus when he came back to life. And I love it because it's a beautiful picture of saying goodbye to the old life and saying hello to a brand new life in Jesus Christ. So man, if that doesn't get you fired up, if that doesn't make you bold and excited, man, I don't know that anything will. And so if you've never been baptized by immersion, I can't think of a greater moment of, listen, a more meaningful and significant place than the beach to get baptized. It's always one of the highlights of the entire year when we do our beach baptism. So text me right now. If you want to get baptized, it'll shoot you a form. All you got to do is fill it out and shoot that back to us and we'll be in touch with you. We'll have an orientation. We'll walk you through everything you need to know. What an opportunity to reach out to friends, 
family members, coworkers, classmates, people you know, and say, hey, come and see me get baptized. Because that would, would be one of the greatest bold witnesses that you could ever have. What a great way as a life lifter to say, I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus today by being obedient through the waters of baptism. If you've never made that decision, let me encourage you to make that decision. And of course, the best way to make that decision is by first and foremost, knowing Jesus in your heart. And so let me invite you just to join me in a word of prayers. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And if you are um, in a place, maybe with other people, or maybe you're by yourself, can I just invite you right now, right where you are, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, Man, what an opportunity to make him the Lord of your life. This is your moment to say goodbye to your past because of what Jesus did for you on a cross. This is a moment to allow him to forgive you and to ultimately change you from the inside out. And you can do that by simply putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. You can say something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I turn from my sin. And today I believe that you died on a cross and you rose again. Jesus, come into my life and save me and change me in Jesus' name. Now, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, let me just say, if you just prayed that prayer, I just want to affirm you and encourage you. You know what? Maybe you're watching and you are, listen, in your heart, you already know you've prayed that. You've done that before. You know that you are a true follower of Jesus. That's not even an issue for you. But maybe you are one who, like me and like all of us at times, have found yourself drifting. You're not where you could be, not where you should be. And maybe today it's time to get back on track. Maybe it's time to fall back in love with Jesus. Maybe it's time to simply say, God, give me my boldness back. God, give me that fire back. God, give me that passion back that I used to have. And if you'll do that, I promise you, as you come close to God, he promises that he will come close to you. Father, I thank you for these that made life's greatest decision. And I pray that today, that Lord, new lives, Lord, new beginnings would take place in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, do me a favor, text that number, text me, just text that that number there on uh, the screen and shoot me a a text and and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. And we want to know, we want to celebrate you. I have a little booklet that I want to send to you. It's a little PDF. You can download it. And all you got to do is text us and fill out the form and we'll get that immediately to you. Well, listen, we love you. Can't wait to see you back next Sunday. Until then, hey, let's continue to be life lifters. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.